Welcome to Uncontained, episode 109. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and I'd like to start the show out by congratulating my brother and sister-in-law on the brand new baby boy, my little nephew, Luke. That's right, can't wait to get to know that guy, and uh, yeah, see, see what the little dude is like when he starts to develop his personality. I'd like to thank you all for joining me, and Uncontained is currently on Patreon, new to Patreon. Easy to find us though. Go to patreon.com slash uncontained or I also have the link at the top of my uh, Facebook uncontained page so you can easily access us there. You can easily access uncontained there and as always you can support the show by going to uncontainedpod.com and clicking the Amazon Avalos on the show today. We talk about his upcoming film, Rhythm, which is a movie about a touring musician, or actually a cruise ship musician, who gets sick of that whole cruise ship gig and jumps overboard and goes chase after his dream. And we'll talk about that during the show a little bit more. I don't wanna I don't wanna slaughter the description of the movie. Rhythm is starring himself and Dia Frampton, who uh, you may remember from back in the first season of The Voice. She was a she was a semi finalist on that episode. She also has a track featured on the movie Insurgents soundtrack, and then also starring Katie Stoudemire from Tragedy Girlfriends and My Friend Dahmer. If you haven't checked those out, definitely do so. Jason and I also get to talking about uh, some of his highlights from his career so far, and one of those highlights was spending a weekend with director Quentin Tarantino. That was at the Cannes Film Festival in France, and that kind of sparked the conversation um, uh, that led to the dreaded Tarantino blood squirts, and that is something that, well, nobody, nobody wants, and I had a real fun time with this interview, and I think you will too, uh, listen in as I talk to Jason Avalos and find out how he lives uncontained. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great, man. I'm growing, doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, join me today and uh, come on the show. So what's been going on in uh, your life, man? What, what have you been up to? Um, you know, it's been a steady year. Um, it's been an exciting year. I've been, like usual with doing those couple jobs, I've been kind of bouncing back and forth and figuring out how to how to balance, you know, the bill paying stuff, how to, how much time to put into acting. And, um, like right now it's pilot season. So my, you know, my eyes and ears are a little bit more geared towards the acting part of my year. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's, it's 2018 is it's, it's off to a good start. All right. Perfect, man. So yeah, it's kind of the challenge for everybody to balance the whole, like what you want to do with what you have to do in order to get by. Sure. <laughs> so you said it's pilot season now, so you're focused more on acting. What is it like during pilot season for those of us who haven't gone through it? Uh, well, it can mean a lot of different things depending if you're represented or not. Um, uh, as an example, last year it meant nothing to me because I wasn't represented okay. and I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really getting in front of the people that I want to get in front of. And you need to have your stuff dialed in 
with an agent, your demo reel, you have to update all your stuff and, you know, put your best uh, game face forward to, to take a good crack at pilot season. Um, and then, uh, so like last year meant nothing to me. Um, I kind of was writing, so I stayed in that lane. Uh, this year, I just got signed with a new manager, a new management team uh, as of last week. So that was really exciting. So I've got a late start to it, but uh, I'm going, you know, going on tape for pilots, for miniseries, uh, for features. And um, and uh, so it's been a lot of fun. I mean, just trying to trying to do that and also kind of get to know my manager at the same time, which always, you know, takes a little time because, you know, you never know what kind of manager you got, really. Yeah, so what kind of roles do you find yourself uh, auditioning for? Are you just going out there and looking for any role to audition for, or are you uh, kind of focused on a certain genre of film? I am focused on a certain type of film, but I'm certainly not going to turn anything down, per se, either. Yeah. So I think that is also what comes with, with the whole manager thing, is getting them to know my brand, getting to know what my strong suits are. Um, so, yeah, like, specifically, I want to do cable. I want to do dramedies. Okay. I've been doing comedy for about, you know, 10 years. That's usually where I book. But um, I'm kind of get you know, I'm not completely challenged by some of the roles I got. And um, so I'm trying to get my team to understand that um, they should be, especially with cable, as, 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 as good as the writing is now, to try to push me into stuff that is more drama and comedy and stay a little farther away from things that are like sketchy, skits, you know, okay. YouTube clips. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's certainly not where I want to put my time. I, I hear you, man. You can't be doing the same thing over and over again. Cause it can definitely get old. We were talking just a little bit ago about how you got to do some jobs in order to pay the bills. And we were talking just a little bit before show too. You got a, recently got a new job, uh, for, uh, brat, correct? Yes. Yes. I, I am literally haven't signed the paperwork yeah yeah but yeah i've been working with them since december uh-huh okay so you were saying you do your story editor and script supervisor is a story editor like a film editing position like on the avid or uh, final cut no that is um not uh it completely pertains to story to the to the development of characters to creating uh, an arc for a season of a show. And typically in, in like a television writing staff, you would have staff writers and then you will have um, possibly a, a story editor who kind of will oversee them and okay. work with them through the overall arc and say, how can we make this bigger, better, more compelling shows? Okay. So that's, that's more of what it, it's definitely more of a writing thing. Um, and uh, so that's that's what I will hopefully be doing with Brat. Okay, so with the story editor, that job, you're kind of coming up with the twists and plot changes and everything like that in the show? Yeah, exactly. So yes, exactly. With that job, with that being your job, do you find yourself sitting at home watching television and be like, okay, I know this is going to happen here. I see this coming. I see this coming and kind of guess what happens before before it happens all the time? 
Yeah, uh, I do and I don't. I mean, I I think like I think like Peter Jackson or somebody said this, and and I really like it. It keeps me in touch with the audience. Is that I I will just watch something just to watch it. I like good television, bad television, crappy horror. You know, okay. pieces. I can just watch and not be like looking behind the scenes of it all. But certainly. I am always looking for twists. I love to be shocked. You know, I think um, we all, like all audiences kind of already know what's to come. So it's fun to just take that, what you're expecting and turn it on its head because that's good. That's good writing. That's good television. So yeah, I'm always looking how to do that. You know, okay. uh, take what you think is going to happen and twist it so that, you know, you keep watching. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so we'll talk one more thing about this, uh, what you have to do in order to, you know, make it so you can do what you love to do. And what is a script supervisor's job? What do you do there? Um, it's pretty nerdy. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's uh, tell you that. I always try to, like, ex- uh, try to explain it. It is essentially the middle man or woman in between the production of a show and the post-production. Okay. Um, they're a liaison. Uh, you will sit next to the director during the production, and you will be the person that the director whispers uh, all of the good stuff that's going on that is in tune with their vision. So if the shot, this shot is amazing, you know, I'll make a note of it. Um, if the actors start changing the words, and that might change how the script is going. I will adjust that for them. Okay. Um, I will do everything in my power to make sure that the director's vision and everything we shot that day is on paper and has very specific notes, take to take, shot by shot, um, and make sure that we get that to the editor. That's basically the easiest way to explain it. Um, it's, a, it's certainly a very detailed job. And there's and then there's also the continuity aspect of it. So when you a lot of people have this stuff on IMDb, like oh she wasn't wearing this dress or her hair was different in that <laughs> shot, and this and the soda can was on the right hand. I do all that bullshit too. So um, it's certainly a little brainy job, um, but it's kind of cool. It always keeps me on my toes. Um, a lot of people will rely on I'm like the last line of defense for the show if somebody wasn't wearing something right or somebody's makeup was different or, um, you know, we're forgetting some prop that is a story device. Um, and we need that for the scene. Every department is watching that stuff with me, but I'm the last line of defense to be like, Hey, wait, we need that robot to, to look this way at the dad and, or whatever it is so that we have, what was written, you know, basically continuity errors, make sure you have that there. And then also it's the important role of making sure that, um, there's communicate. You're the communication between the director and the editing. So make sure that the director's vision doesn't get cut the wrong way and left on the cutting room floor per se. Yeah. And you know, the director is getting piled with questions every day, every moment. Um, having to do a lot of stuff. So it's also, you just, you just have their back, you know? And so, you know, instead of the, the makeup department coming up to him and asking questions, um, if I can help answer those questions, um, then that's kind of where I'll step in and I'll work with each department head to make sure that, 
um, their work is also being shown well, you know? Um, so yeah, that's the gist of it. You know, it's kind of interesting to hear some of these titles that you think you might have an idea what they do, like, um, script supervisor, showrunner, uh, stuff like that, and not being there in the scene, you know, it's kind of cool to hear what actually goes on besides, you know, you got the camera guy, you got the actor and the director. That's what everybody knows. Now, let's flip it and put you on the other side of the camera. So okay. you've been acting for a while. This is what you what you like to do, correct? This is like kind of what, what you want to make happen. Yeah, that's the, you know, I kind of like use like this totem pole like metaphor where it's like that's the head of the totem pole is the acting and everything under that is all just to build to be able to to, to do that and to do that with the best people possible. Yeah. Okay, very cool. You actually have like your very first feature film coming up, correct? I do, yeah. I'm in uh, pre-production right now. All right, so... Um, that is rhythm. And, uh, you tried sending me a little cheat sheet about it. I couldn't open it up before the show. (laughs) So I'm just going to ask you instead of being like, okay, that's a show about this and that. What is it about? Explain it to me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, rhythm is essentially about a guy named Daniel Largo. He is a guitarist in a cheesy cruise ship band. All right. Um, and it's very soul-sucking for him. He is not being used to his skill level. Um, and um, he's also uh, he's a self-sabotager. You know, okay. Anytime he gets close to his dream, he chokes. He chokes. Uh. So he's been staying in that band for a long time. And now he's reached the point where he has all these songs he's wanted to make of his own. And he jumps off the ship right before they go on another cruise. And he jumps off the ship and goes to live back with his mother in East L.A. And uh, as a 30-year-old man (laughs) and goes back to live with his mom so that he can finally make something out of his dreams. So he um, has to kind of battle his way through L.A. and the L.A. music scene, which is, you know, fairly competitive, obviously. And... um, and so it's kind of how you do that. Um, it's a real realistic look at how you do it instead of the fairy tale, which is what we see sometimes where, oh, they somebody heard them write a song and now they're going to win a Grammy and now they're Johnny Cash. Yeah, and they don't they don't see like the years of work that go into becoming that. They just uh, yeah. like the overnight success always have like 10 years of work before that overnight happened. Right. They say that for a reason. Right. And a lot of those films, which I love, you know, walk the line and, um, you know, there's just so many of them, but um, they're all very dramatic and very compelling. And they're great um, for all of those dreamers. Um, I wanted to show this is has a lot more comedy in that game. Certainly my life and my failures have there's I don't think they're funny, you know, but (laughs) somebody else might think they're fucking hilarious. So I kind of want to shed light on that as an artist, like how 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 funny it is when we fall on our face. And so that's kind of what kind of makes us different. Um, It's also, you know, I'm playing the lead. So it's a Latino lead. 
um, which we don't get to see typically. That's Karen Knightley or Natalie Portman and Mark Ruffalo and a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, white people playing folk music. And that's a lot of the stuff that we have. And so right now, and yeah, I think it's really important to show like, yay, we're not out here like with the mariachis, you know, like <laughs> we're making music <laughs> to you, you know, and um, it's not all the bomba out here. Like we know how to make music that is cool. And so I kind of wanted to put a, a face to that, you know, people and hopefully like Latin people too can say, oh yeah, like I'm a first generation American. I'm not, you know. Uh, selling tacos on the street and then writing mariachi songs. Yeah. So uh, I kind of wanted to put a face to that. Definitely. So are you a musician yourself? I used to be many fucking light years ago. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was in a punk band in Long Beach for about six years. That's where I grew up in Long Beach. Uh, kind of grew up in um, when like Sublime was a big deal and right on. And it's definitely in that big like punk scene, no doubt was like nothing yet. And obviously we used to go to warehouse shows and, and we were little grommets, little surfer grommets, and we used to go and um you know, yeah, I had long hair and was in a thing <laughs> against everything and uh yeah, so we're, I was in a pretty fun punk band for about six, seven years there and then um I DJed for a couple of years in the LA rave scene and then kind of was like, Oh, this is a giant party so i decided to um i'd been acting too so i slowly moved to acting uh because i thought that lifestyle was not and i wasn't cut out for it <laughs> right on man right on that's uh it's good to realize uh that too you know i know you're playing the lead in this movie are you doing any of the producing directing or anything like that yeah yeah so i wrote it i've been writing it for about two years um, I'm producing it with my, uh, producing partner of about five years, um, uh, Jared Safier. And, uh, and then, um, we have some other producing partners on board now too. Uh, so I'll be doing a little less producing, uh, the bigger our team gets and, but yeah, writing, directing it and then playing the lead. All right, right. So you have your hands in uh, multiple aspects of this film. Which aspect of it, like the writing, directing, or acting, if you had to choose one, I'm going to be a dick like that and throw that at you. Uh, if you had to choose one, which one would you pick? Uh, it's not a fair question anymore, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. I think, honestly, if I really, really could, and you asked me this a couple years ago, I just want to act, man. Like, I really did not want to do the rest of it at first. Um, but I just, so really, that's probably the best answer, is if I could just act, and that was the way, you know, it works nowadays. And I really, I, I think that does work for some people, but um, it's never really worked for me. So that... I had to find a new way to get myself out there. So that's a, probably the best answer to give. Um, it's the thing that I never feel like I've been doing it for God now, like sadly to say, like since I was 16. Okay. Um, so a couple so of years. Doing it the longest. Yeah. You know, two years. <laughs> I've been doing it the longest. I've trained with some great teachers and, um, and it's definitely, you know, the, the, the major thing. But the writing, you know, I, uh, the writing, I, I had always been writing. I wrote songs. I wrote poetry, you know, and that turned into short story. And then that turned into scripts. And then, and directing, I just, 
you know, you act for so long, you understand other actors and you have a lot of respect for other actors. So I thought that made sense to me too, you know? Um, but if you asked me a couple years ago, if I want to be doing it all, I don't think I wanted to do it all. I don't need that okay. ego. Like, I don't, that doesn't feed me, you know? You aren't necessarily like the Trent Reznor of the movie business where you're like... I'm not really trying to be the Trent Reznor of the movie business, no. It's just like <laughs> nobody gives me a fucking job, so... I'm like, I will fucking do this myself. You know, a lot of people have actually, like, had to do it that way. Um, one of my guests, has, he's a stand-up comedian who's done a lot of work with the guys from Super Troopers and, like, uh, Broken Lizard. Uh, yeah, yeah, guys are totally like, like He's toured with, like, Rabbit from Super Troopers. And he's like, dude, everything I've been in, I've wrote. I've wrote my, I've wrote my part. I've created it. You know, you can't wait for people just to create something for you. So you got to go do what you're doing. And it's just not the way it is anymore. It's like brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, also on the other hand, the internet has made it so that you can create something, whether or not you're in Hollywood or Iowa. Like, that's where I'm originally from. So, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> you got to do it in Iowa. Holy crap. Yeah, but I've actually had a lot of good filmmakers on from Iowa, too. So I kind of help help spread the word about my, my homeland. Um. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I bet. Now, so this is your first feature. Yeah, yeah, that, that I'm making, yeah. That, that you're creating. All right, so what made this the film that you turned into the feature opposed to other short films that you did? Um, well, I definitely almost did some other ones. I mean, I... Um... I had one that was like a big fun sci-fi thing that probably cost like 20, 30 million. And, you know, I was waiting for that 20 million. I never got it. So <laughs> I said, shit, okay, let's maybe wait on the 20 mil. And then um, I had like another rom-com that I was going to do called Heartbroke that I still might do. Okay. And um, yeah, and I thought, well, look, if I have to do this all myself, am I dying to make a rom-com? Is that like what I'm like? dying to do and um the answer was like no so i thought um music's been so close to my heart it's what i you know it's it's it feeds like my you know it feeds like the kid in me and i thought that's the kind of energy i need to actually get this done when i'm tired is like feel like a kid like feel like just like to, and and that's kind of also what the movie is a little bit about like getting back into your into the kid in you because you know that's the only part of your spirit that doesn't break i think you know yeah that's an that's an interesting statement that the kid in you is the only part that doesn't break like um you know chris hardwick yeah yeah I listened to his podcast and there was one thing that he said that really uh, kind of stuck with me. He's like, I truly believe that in your head, you're still like 16 years old. You know, no matter who it is, yeah. there's like a 16 year old version of yourself stuck in your head. And in your mind, that's what you are all the time. No matter yeah. what the outside looks like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. My body and my gray goatee doesn't say that, but. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I am. I'm still a kid um, at heart. And then you have to go adult and shit. <laughs> yeah, I hate that part of this. It's like you know, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's true. I think it is true. I think um, you know. Um, I think if you don't do it that way, you can lose sight quickly with this business of of what's important to you. Yeah. So. Um, 
So the movie is very much about that, you know, getting pulled this way and that. And if you're willing to be vulnerable with other people, it's a very collaborative medium. So if you, um, there are other people who feel like you, we all kind of can feel like that, right? So like, it's just easier. It's just like, it's easier because you're genuine. You're genuinely, you know, passionate from such a good place. And it's, it, people will connect with you better. You'll have a fun time. And you'll probably, it'll, it'll speak to other people, I think, because that's a universal thing, you know? Definitely, definitely feeling like that you could be doing something more that, you know, I have this in me and I'm stuck in a cover band or playing rhythm section. I'm guessing he's stuck playing rhythm guitar. Is that why it's yeah, rhythm? He's playing rhythm? Maybe, no. Yeah, it's just about finding your rhythm and playing rhythm guitar. Yeah. All right. All right. Finding your groove and all that shit. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Everybody's been in that, you know, got to, got to get out there and do it. So who's in this film? Um, We're still casting. I can tell you, I'll tell you a few little fun things that is that we're that we're doing um that i'm excited about um uh yeah some of the cast that is so far and also producing is um dia frampton is going to be playing like the keyboardist in the like new band um she is an incredible musical and also an actress but a crazy musical talent wonderful voice and um she was a runner-up uh in the in the voice in the show the voice okay and we became friends through Facebook, and I said, I, I need somebody to, to really dial in the music. The music's got to be great, you know, and I don't, I'm not of that world just anymore. So she has been a, a huge asset to us, um, and, uh, you know, she sings a lot better than I do. So, um, <laughs> and so it's great to have somebody who, who is really sharp in that way to help us. Um, so far, what we're kind of also trying to do is have about 85% of the producers, the cast, um, and the full team to be, um, diverse okay. and, or, and to, and, and women, um, because, uh, you know, were the ones that kind of take the back seat for so long that um, I think there's so many talented people who are not getting their shot that uh, since I've got to do this, I could use a hand and those people understand what I'm up against the most. So uh, it makes sense to me to have those type of people behind me and doing this with me. And so that, that is something that we're really excited about. Uh, we also cast Katie Stottlemyre, who's a kind of a cool, really funny uh, indie darling. She's going to be in there. She was in My Friend Dahmer, which just came out. I've heard about that, but I haven't I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You should check it out. Um, she's also in Tragedy Girls, which is like 90% on um, Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's another huge indie uh, movie that just came out last year with uh, Brianna Hildebrand from Deadpool and Alex Shipp from uh, The New X-Men. And so Katie, I worked with uh, later earlier last year, and so she's going to be playing in this. Um, she's a lot of fun. And right now we're still casting. We just got a new casting director. So we have a cast I don't want to talk about yet, but okay. we're definitely going to go for some people that you are familiar with. Um, Samuel Jackson. Daniel Jackson, <laughs> father. I'm sick and tired of playing bass in this motherfucking band. <laughs> exactly. He's my bassist and my father. I find out I'm black. No, no. <laughs> okay, I actually saw uh, Timid Pimps 
like something oh, that you did back. Oh yeah, see, I like that. Yeah, I I looked that up, uh, and you talking about the old black pimp as your dad, and it's like they're my sons. I know there's a pimp in them somewhere. I just don't know where to look. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, grew, I grew up with some really cool uh, African American dudes in Long Beach, and um, and I just thought it'd be a. It's a. <laughs> I just get a a, a a big. I don't know. It's something. Something about. Working with um, them really touches my soul and bring me back again. Bring me back to my old days in the hood too, man. So like, um, I thought that'd be fun to have two nerds who try to be street pimps and fail miserably. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry about the sidetrack. Uh, continue no, on. Good, you're, you're saying you got some good people coming up. Not Samuel L. Jackson. He's not gonna be your dad in the show. Not yet. Not not yet. Now. All right. So, when can we expect to see Rhythm come out? Uh, well, like I said, we're in pre-production. We're actually working on finance, and we're about to drop a uh, a fundraising campaign. So, hopefully, when this comes out, um, you know, maybe you know, people can check in with us. We have a Facebook page, Rhythm Official Movie. We have an Instagram, um, also Rhythm, and. Uh, we will do a pretty cool uh, Kickstarter type campaign to try to raise some of the funds. And hopefully we will start shooting in the next three, four months. And um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. All right. All right. Very cool. I'll make sure to uh, put those uh, in, like that in the show notes as well. And I'll give yeah. you one more time to plug it here a little later in the show. For sure. Please do. We need all the help we can get. Are you going to be doing a Kickstarter or GoFundMe or what route are you going to go for the fundraising? Uh, yeah, we have somebody uh, in charge of that right now. I think we're going to go with, uh, if that means anything to other viewers, I think we're looking at Seed and Spark. They seem to have kind of a, I don't know, I just really like the feedback that they give and the, um, the kind of opportunities they give to a filmmaker. Um, they also seem very uh, diverse, uh, LGBT, female empowered. Okay. Uh, with a lot of projects and so that's very aligned with um with what we're doing so um so yeah i think we're gonna go that way as far as that goes um i'll raise some money on my end we'll raise some money with them and hopefully we'll get some other investors excited about it all right very cool man so um you've been as we mentioned like in uh 22 films or something at least that's your imdb credits right now so you have a little yeah. bit of experience uh what would be some advice that you would give to somebody who is looking to get uh started out yeah um well like you said like the one thing that that people say like you can you can make things yourself um i think what's cool is um we all may look similar. We all like to a casting director, yeah. But you know how weird and how interesting and how you know how kind of unique you are more than anybody. So you know if you try to highlight that in some type of project, um, I think that's a good thing to do. If anything, because it really shows other people how you see yourself. And then they'll know what to do with you. Okay. And when they know what to do with you, they will know, they will treat you accordingly, you know? So um, I think that's the best plan of advice. And you can do that with, you know, YouTube, uh, Instagram, small skits. You can do, you know, you can um, connect with other people who are like, like-minded like you, 
who fit your brand. Um, you know, pick shows you like, pick shows that you see yourself on, write five of them down. Okay. And do like a small version of it. You know, just do a small version of it. If you're not a writer, get with a writer. There's a million writers who like car movies, you know, and they'll write a little something for you. And then, you know, if you're act, if you, if you know, if you don't direct, there's a million directors who want to direct, you know, um, you can go on ShareGrid, I think, and rent the camera for nothing for a weekend and, and go make a little thing. Um, there's so many people who want to do this that, um, that there's no reason to not try. All right. Very cool, man. So basically do something that you're kind of interested in and shows your unique personality come through. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and, and to be really, yeah, to, to do it very simply even is ask three people who know you really well to describe you, you know, that can and be painful. <laughs> it, can, it, it can and should be painful. Yeah. Um, but within that pain is a very, funny or dramatic or compelling story. So it doesn't have to be a story of your life by any means, but you can find, you can see, wow, that's how people see me. That's interesting. And um, you'll be surprised what you get back. And so, you know, highlight those things because those things are going to stand out. You don't have to be fake because they're, they're things people see in you anyway. And they go, Oh, wow you're really self-aware, you know, you really understand yourself. So that makes me confident you can do this. Um, that's to me, I think what, where the pavement hits the sand. I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> the pavement hits the frog's dick. I'm not sure. But like, I, I think, you know, I think you're right. I had something to do with frogs. Something uh, with frogs and pavement and uh, frog, a hot, sunny yeah. day. Uh, and a hot, sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just make up I'm our saying. own shit. Alchemy, um, do some voodoo. Yeah, no, but like, yeah, that's, that's the, I think that's where you'll have the most fun and some, whatever success means. I think that's, that's how you get a calling card. And then, you know, um, you don't need to chase the agents, you know, you do that stuff and you, I know it sounds crazy, but agents will find you like they will, like they're looking, they know what they know to look at YouTube. They know to look on Instagram. They know how to do it. And they're looking for weird, crazy shit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing it's almost probably a turnoff to them if you're coming looking for them. Uh, or, or do you think that, I don't know. I could be completely wrong in this, but if, if you're like, you know, that needy kid that's uh, like looking for a date in high school, like going up to an agent, like pick me, pick me, pick me. Will you take me to the dance type thing? And yeah. that was me forever. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, we talked a little bit about Instagram and Facebook and uh, rhythm. But what are you doing right now to promote yourself and uh, your upcoming movie? Uh, I'm doing a show. That's good. Uh, and um, so that's awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank um, you for coming on, my friend. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the greatest promoter. I swear to God. It's like <laughs> what I choke on. And I, this is a weak spot for me. So, um, But uh, I think 
God, what else am I doing to promote myself? Do, do you um, have any? Do you have any like Facebook strategy or say Instagram strategy that you like to that you like to do? Or I really don't. I'm not savvy that way. Um, what I would say is, uh, God, I don't know. What you know? For me, I'm doing it probably the wrong way. But like, I try to put my weird shit in my Instagram. So if you follow my Instagram. Jason Avalos, if you want to follow that, um, it will, it's not going to look like a totally cardboard cutout uh, FOMO of my life. There are these great things that happen in my life, but a lot of it's the weird comedy I like, the weird style, the weird things I'm into. Um, and people can get a sense of who I am. And so uh, that's not, that doesn't add up to numbers. I'm not going to lie. That is not going to add up to numbers, but I feel like, that for me is my way of being genuine online. And, yeah. um, and until I find another way, I mean, that's, I'm just going to have fun with it. So, um, I'm sure a PR person knows there's a better way to do it. Uh, <laughs> but the one thing I will uh, say about that though, the being genuine online, it may be polarizing. It might not get like the Kardashian numbers of followers, but yeah. the followers that you do have will be, true followers you know they're the ones that want to come in and see that weird quirky shit as you and you know they'll they want to see what you're going to do next your personality and are actually fans of it so i yeah. i think i think you know real followers one real followers at least worth like five fake ones you know you can also see what people like because you know i put some weird stuff on that i feel is like this is amazing how do you guys not love this nobody likes it and then I put something else on people love. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, they really like seeing me that way, you know? Yeah. So it's for me, like, it's just an all, it's all just a big fucking experiment. Test yourself. So if you're doing that, you'll see what your fans like, you know, and you'll be surprised. And then, you know, you can run with those things. All right. That's some great advice for uh, Instagram to just go out there, look at how people are responding to it and take that however you will, you know, but what is a highlight or two uh, that you would care to share here uh, with the uncontained audience? Um, so, yes, it's a terrible question. I know I, I, know I this is this is probably my most dickish question on the on the show, but it, it's cool because like it doesn't necessarily have to be the highlight, but just like when you're at a bar with some friends, a, a story that you're like. Dude, this happened to me. You're not going to believe it. This was awesome. All right. So this is a cool, and it's also something anybody can do. So it's kind of a two, it's a twofer. Okay. Um, I was in film school. I wrote a short film with my thesis film. I entered it into the Cannes Film Festival uh, over in France. All right. Which is, you know, there's Sundance, there's Cannes. There is a market. That is called the con film market. You do not have to be in competition. You just pay and you automatically get into this festival. You get into the market. Um, you can go if you want to show your movie. They give you little movie theaters to show your shorts. There's a little area you can connect with other filmmakers. You're in fucking France, so it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you're getting to see some of the bigger movies and, you know, getting a whiff of all that fun. Um, you also get tickets to go into all these different great premieres and you get to take a master class with the year, the director for that year. 
So for my year was te- Quentin Tarantino. Oh, so wow. I studied, yeah, I studied with Quentin Tarantino for three days, took a master's class, just sat with him and a couple people. We went through his movies. We went through the colors. We went through his shot design, went through subtext and themes in his films. Um, and that, to this day, is certainly one of the greatest you know weekends I've ever had. I can imagine, or can only imagine, man. Uh, Tarantino, in addition to just putting out great movies, I think he's one of the masters of writing like realistic sounding dialogue. For sure, for sure. He talked a lot about that too. He talked a lot about that. Yeah, one of the things that I heard him say on it is he actually writes in like the ums and uhs and stuff like that that a lot of people do when they're talking. Other instead of just writing out like perfectly formatted sentences and like stuff, he like leaves in the imperfections in the speech. Uh, yeah, he does. I don't. I know people say yes and no. Don't do that. But um, he also writes it kind of like a novel. Okay. Um, he, also, he knows he's going to direct it, so he writes because he writes descriptions and stuff in there. Like he knows he's going to direct it, but like, yeah. Um, I say, yeah, totally write all that stuff in there. Take it out later if somebody, you know, needs you to, like a producer or an investor or something. Uh, or your Some agent. story like, editor. Yeah, story editor. You're <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but if they don't care, then, you know, then, then write it how you talk or how you hear those people talk. And um, people can tell, you know. Um, when I write dialogue, people feel like, oh, wow, this feels like, real you know um and you know it's 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 a good you know depending on what type of movie you're making it it's 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 good yeah man so what besides dialogue was there anything that you took away from getting to spend that weekend with tarantino um yeah uh i think i mean a lot of it had to do with the writing um and the color i'm obsessed with color so um, that he paints, you know, revenge in, in, I think, for Kill Bill, like when you see revenge, it was like a dark blue. And um, so he would paint, you know, um, he would paint some scenes with blue and that would mean, you know, uh, revenge. And then he would and, and he would take all the themes and assign them colors. And then you've got so if you've got pain is red you've got blue is pain, then that scene has a, if it's got a little bit of blue, you know, and then a little bit of red goes into it, like kind of like, you know, maybe it's a a red curtain. So like that pain kind of gets kind of trickled in to uh, a a huge amount of revenge. And, and, and so I saw it as a paintbrush, you know, you can see paintbrush and, um, and you could take that idea and really run with it. So um, I, I try to think about that when I'm making a movie. Painting with color. Now, I do have to ask this. In uh, Rhythm, after spending time with Tarantino, are you going to have, like, you know, the Tarantino blood squirts in the in the movie at all? That sounds really uh, bad, but... <laughs> you know, blood squirts. <laughs> blood clots. Uh, I, there is some blood, there is some, there is some bloody stuff in it. Um, uh, I don't know if all the squirts, I don't really like the squirts personally. I don't like the bloody Kill Bill squirts. Um, okay. if I was doing a horror or a Asian thing, I might do the squirts, but, 
Uh, it will be graphic at times and uh, maybe closer to something in the Reservoir Dogs or uh, or Pulp Fiction. A little less squirty. Okay, a little less squirty, but still puddles. Yeah, little puddles. More <laughs> uh, we, yeah. We'll, we'll just describe the movie in Tarantinoisms. And yes. I so... might call it blood squirts. I think I might call it the, the rhythm of squirts. <laughs> blood rhythm. Blood rhythms. All right. Yes. All right. So now that we got that taken care of, what do you want your audience? We'll make this specific to rhythm since you've been involved in so many things. What do you want your audience that sees rhythm? What do you want them to take away and remember about that film? Oh, um, I think that I would say probably that there are um, going back to that that kid theme and. You know, you can see every day there's a chance to kind of tap back into your soul. And there are people, there are moments, there are there are things to connect back with with yourself. And you can keep running past them or you can kind of get into the groove of them. And the more you get into the groove of them, you know, they build and that momentum builds. And so I think that if they can, if you can stop and do that enough, and stop beating yourself up, then, then that, that's worth something. Okay, definitely, definitely. That's the rhythm. All right, very cool, man. So I do have one final question to ask you, but before we get to that question, right. I want to give you one more chance to do what you say you're not good at and promote yourself. Where right. can people? Where can people find you online? Um, like your social media and uh, also rhythm social media as well. Where can they find that at? You know, um, definitely the Facebook Rhythm Official page. Um, we're have a lot of a lot of our, our updates are going to be up there. Um, that's a fun way to to connect with us, reach out to us, uh, let us know what you're doing. We also post other people's stuff on there especially in diversity and LGBT and any uh, female empowered stuff. We post other people's work on that page too, um, to kind of start a dialogue. Okay. Uh, and same thing with the rhythm, uh, IG page. And then my personal Jason Avalos, uh, IG page. Um, I think those are probably the best places. And, um, and then if you're in LA, you know, I'll be doing stand up. Uh, again, I do stand up, so I'll be doing stand up in the next month or two. So you can try to find me at the comedy store. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I'd... yeah. I, I'm gonna. That'll be the way I promote. I'm gonna go out there, and if you don't hate me, I'll probably be promoting it by you know not sucking. If if they if they boo, don't mention the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Throwing yeah. shoes on stage or whatever. I can use Shoes. I need shoes. Yeah, you know, that's not always a bad thing. Cool, man. So um, I will put your social media in uh, the show notes so okay. people can find you easier and uh, get in contact with you and keep up to date on Rhythm. So I have one final question for you. It is the title question of the show. So Jason Avalos, how do you live uncontained? I live uncontained the way I've probably always lived uncontained. Um, I'm still a punk. All right. I'm still a, I'm still a rebel, and um, I'm just a more adult version of it now. And uh, and I still have that kind of, 
you know, prove people wrong thing. And so, you know, I make sure that for everybody who tries to kick me in the face, I, I kick back 10 times harder, you know, and I keep proving people wrong. I keep letting them build up all this bullshit against me and I keep proving them wrong and have a good laugh about it. So if you can do that, then you can't be contained. And that's how, that's how I do it. All right. Perfect, man. That is some uh, great advice right there and how you live uncontained. I have one final thing for you to do. (laughs) Yeah. What is it? And that is sign off the show. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight? Learn from the old masters. Um, but realize we are the new masters of the trade. We need your faces out there. So stay squirty. <laughs> uh, fuck the rules and um, push forward. Uh, my name is Jason Avalos. I live uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Jason for joining me and uh, sharing those great stories with me. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, Uncontained is on Patreon. Very easy to help support. I know you can't support every podcast you listen to, but if you feel it in your wallet and money just wants to jump on out and help support this show, that would be very appreciated and uh, can even afford to update some new gear and uh, all that fun stuff that goes along with podcasting. I appreciate all your support and until next time, live uncontained.